The Joy FM Sports presents The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, everyone. This is Corey Bradley. I, you know, definitely a blessing to have you all tuning in, listening to this new show. We're going to start. I plan on doing one every week. I'm thankful for Russ and Matt and Mark and everyone that's been a part of uh, just this new experience. I, it's a sports show, primarily sports, so I definitely want to talk about sports, my insight, maybe some opinions, predictions, reactions, analysis. You know, this is going to be about sports, but I also want to include just maybe some things you can take to your everyday life, just maybe some words of wisdom, words of encouragement, something to, that, that, that spoke to me that I can also share with you and maybe make a difference in your life as well. So off the top, congratulations to the Washington Nationals. They uh, clinched their first National League pennant, beating the St. Louis Cardinals in a four-game set. I mean, it's amazing on the run that they've had so far. They started the season 19-31, and 31, and that was with Trey Turner. Trey Turner was out. He's their leadoff hitter. He's kind of like the catalyst for their team. Everything he does sets the table for the rest of the lineup and when he once he came back after those after that rough start they took off and they haven't looked back I mean they won their wild card game beating the Milwaukee Brewers they had an amazing bottom of the eighth scoring three runs to come back and win that game carry that over to the Los Los Angeles Dodgers and the NLDS where they beat them in a five game set which included a game five series clinching victory in LA Howie Kendrick's grand slam in the 10th inning helped propel them to the NLCS where they took on the Cardinals. And uh, now they swept the Cardinals, and they're going to the World Series. This is their first fr- first World Series appearance in franchise history. And I know for Braves fans, the Nationals are your rival. This is this has not been an easy, an easy pill to swallow. Coming off a tough defeat at the hands of the Cardinals, and the Braves lost in five games, and you know, I feel for you. I do because, for one, to lose and have your season ended is one thing, but then to see your division rival go on to the ultimate prize in the World Series is a t- totally different thing. So I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan. Anyone that really knows me, that's my squad. I roll with them all the time. So when they lost in the playoffs last year in, in, in a seven game set to the Denver Nuggets, you know, I was done. Like I didn't even really watch much more of the playoffs. So. Uh, speaking of the Spurs rivals, like I can't stand the Memphis Grizzlies, the Dallas Mavericks, the Houston Rockets, and the New Orleans Pelicans. Like I want all those teams to lose at all times. So I know Braves fans, you, uh, it's tough to see the Nationals go on and and perform well in the postseason when the Braves are sitting at home now. So, but just recapping that game, that that series against the Cardinals, the Braves, they they just they had multiple opportunities. And, and, of course, Game 5 is where it all fell apart. They gave up 10 runs in the first inning. But I'll tell you, in that first inning, first pitch was at 4.02 p.m. 20 minutes into the game, the Braves were down nine runs. So think about that. You're at the game. You're just getting into your seat. You're 20 minutes into your seat, and your team is already down nine runs. Like, how do you – I can't imagine what that felt like, being at home, just having the air taken out of the stadium – I'm sure there was probably a few fans that thought about leaving. There may have been a couple that actually got up and left. Uh, Me personally, if it was me, there's no way I'm quitting on my team. There's no way I made the drive to Atlanta, purchased a ticket, and going to leave prematurely. Now, there has been a time where 
I've left one of my team's uh, sporting events before I wanted to, but that wasn't by choice. It was clearly by force. Uh, I remember being at Auburn, Gene Chizik's last year. Johnny Manziel was the quarterback at Texas A&M. They came in, scored three touchdowns before we had a first down. And that was a super long year. That game alone, I remember riding with my cousin. I, I had <laughs> He was ready to go in the fourth quarter. So we left early in the fourth quarter, but uh, it wasn't by my choice. I would have stayed around and, and, and watched the rest of the game. But if I wanted to go back home to Madison, Alabama, I had to get in this car or else I was going to be sleeping in Jordan here that night. So, um, like I said, that, that was a tough way to, to handle – to, to endure that last loss, game five to the Cardinals when you're ten, down 10 runs in the first inning. And that's what we remember is that game five. But I'm going to take you back to game two when Mike Foltynewicz was the starter. I was just blown away when he was named the starter because, to me, you want your best pitchers going in one or two, and that would be Dallas Keuchel and Mike Soroka. And I know Foltynewicz pitched a game of his life in game two with – Seven innings, strong, three-hit, shutout ball. But the reason why you want your best to go one and two, that way in a five-game series that can come back in a four-game or in game four or game five, you want your best to go twice. If it comes down to where this is the – it goes the length of the series, you want your best pitchers to go more than once. Like Braves fans, think about it. Do you want – Fulte Navis to go twice, or would you rather have Mike Soroka go twice? I think that's a no-brainer, and um, you know that's something that, to me, it it blew my mind at the time. Like I know Fulte pitched well in Game Two, but what about Game Five? So we don't know with Mike Fulte Navis. Are you going to get? Fulte Navich, or are you going to get Mike Fulte Navich? And so in game five, I think we got the latter. Uh, like I said, he threw 23 pitches in that first inning where the Cardinals scored 10 runs eventually, and he didn't even get out the end. And so uh, I think if, if Snicker had a chance to do it over, maybe he would rethink that. I mean, I know this is the whole world of analytics and numbers are important. Numbers are this. Soroka was better on the road than he was at home. His ERA was much lower, and he – pitched a gym in game three in St. Louis. I mean, he pitched one of his best games as a pro, but let's not overthink this. What's more important, his ERA on the road as opposed to home or Soroka getting two starts in a five-game series? Like I said, I'd rather have Soroka go twice all day as opposed to Mike Fultinavich. So, But, you know, there was a reporter that, that approached uh, Brian Snicker after the series was over and asked him his thoughts. You know, did, would, did he – feel like he made the right decision? Would he do anything different as far as his rotation goes? And he said no. He said he would do the same thing. He said they felt they were comfortable with their approach. And, and I'm just kind of like, man, be be real. Let's be honest. <laughs> you know if he had a chance to do it over, you would love Soroka to go twice instead of Mike Fultynewicz. So, you know, that was uh, definitely a, a tough pill to swallow watching the Braves lose the way they did. Now, game four – that to me was the game that where the missed opportunities uh, showed themselves the most. Game four is four to three. Acuna leads the top of the seventh with a triple. They didn't score. Top of the ninth is a four four tie. Acuna again he leads off the ninth with the double. Like this is your top of your your lineup and and. You want your lead-up guy to get on. That's exactly what you want him to do is to, to lead off the inning in scoring position, and that's exactly what he did. Top of the ninth, he hits a double. I'm immediately thinking, okay, Ozzy, 
you got to get him over. Whether it's a bunt, it's a ground ball to the right side, you have to get Acuna over to third base. That extra 90 feet makes a world of difference. When the pitcher knows the go-ahead run is, is, is 90 feet away from scoring, he has to execute even more because he can't allow a wild pitch. He can't allow a fly ball because anything now allows Acuna to score and go ahead and take the run. So, But to me, with, a, with, with, with Ozzy, when he popped up, I was just blown away. Like, why? Why are you not bunting? Like, that's the first thing I thought is when I seen Acuna hit that double. Okay, Ozzy, bunt him over, get him to third base. I don't know if uh, where his mind was in that plate approach. I mean, each plate approach is different depending on what the what the circumstance in the game. Are you up? Are you down? It just depends. Every plate approach is different. So this is the top of the ninth. You have a chance to take the go-ahead run to clinch the series. Your first thing is get Acuna to third, however you have to do it. Uh, My man Marv, I talk with him sports all the time. We always talk baseball, specifically Braves baseball, but just baseball in general. And he told me this. He said you have to get them on, get them over, and get them in. Get them on get him over, and get him in. And that's exactly, Acuna did his part. He got on. But Ozzy, bunt him over. Like, I don't know if it's Snickers call or whoever's call it is. There's, this is why signals are involved in the game. Who's calling the shots? Ozzy, bunt him over. Get him to third base. Because I know if you get him to third, like I said, a wild pitch is, is possible where Acuna scores. I know Freddie Freeman had his injury he was dealing with in the postseason. This, I, but I, but I still trust Freddie. Even though he was hurt, I believe Freddie somehow, some way, can get Acuna in from third. And if even if he doesn't, you have Josh Donaldson, the cleanup hitter. He could clean it up and get get Acuna in for that go ahead run. And I mean, even to the point where I was watching MLB Network and Harold Reynolds broke down the film of Ozzy bunting throughout the year, not only for a sacrifice hit, but it was times he was he was bunting for a hit period. So there's there's footage and there's, there's experiences of him bunting uh, to begin with. I don't know where Ozzy's mind was. I don't know if, if it was on him or if it was on the management, but I believe that right there, that missed opportunity to get Acuna to third and anything's possible from that point on. I think just that game for drop ball, scenario where they couldn't score with a leadoff trouble leadoff triple in the seventh, a leadoff double in the ninth with your the heart of your lineup coming up. I think to me that was ultimately the deciding factor for the Atlanta Braves. Now going into next year, the Braves have quite a few questions to answer. You know, they've they won a division two years straight, unable to get out the NLDS. They lost to the Dodgers last year, lost to the Cardinals this year. But they're young. They have a, a nice blend of youth, a nice blend of veteran leadership. But they're ready to take that next step. I know fans, I have Braves fans tell me, like, oh, we didn't expect much. We knew this is Atlanta. They always do well in the regular season but can't come through in the clutch in the postseason. And you may say that, but you don't really believe that. I mean, if you're a true fan, you expect or hope your team will win regardless of what their uh, past mistakes or uh, failed success uh, what happened in the past so what I'm saying is let's be real you did no one expected them to, to flame out early in the first round like they did but it's postseason baseball you know anything is possible so but going into next year there's three offseason priorities that I believe the Braves have to address if they want to contend and be a, a team that really truly competes for a championship number three replacing Brian McCann 
Brian McCann announced his retirement the day after the game. You know, I know there's he was he was such a huge, uh, intricate part of what they did in the lineup, behind the plate, in that locker room, uh, for that young pitching staff. When he announced his retirement the day of the game, that to me spoke that he was ready. He had been contemplating this and thinking about this all year. It's been heavily on his mind, and I believe he just knew that his his body couldn't take it anymore. There was an analyst on MLB Network saying that he he thought maybe Brian rushing to his decision. He should take a few days, spend some time with his family, see if this is really what he wants to do. But when you make a decision the day of your elimination game saying I'm, I'm calling a quiz I believe it's something that he knew that's, that was weighing on him heavily uh, throughout the year so Brian McCann is a catcher He this is this is like the heartbeat or the field general for the team defensively they call the shots they're barking out signals they're kind of like an assistant coach on the field I mean think about it parents think about it coaches when you have uh, baseball or softball Think about your catchers and how tough that position is to play. It's 97 degrees and you have all this gear on. You're squatting the whole game. There's potentially collisions that's involved in the game. I mean, that's a tough position to play. So, I mean, when a coach finds a good catcher, and uh, it's, it's, it's one thing to want to play catcher. It's another thing to to play it well because <laughs> uh, everybody doesn't want. To. I never played catch. I'm left-handed, so. But coaches, you know, when you find a good catcher, boy, that eases your mind and it's uh, a load of a load off your shoulders. So, uh, to me, the Braves had to figure out how do we replace Brian McCann? Is it Tyler Flowers? Do we trust him being the everyday catcher? And if not, you have to figure out through trade or through free agency that we have to address this position. This is one of the most important positions. Uh, on the field, period, because you think about management as far as in the MLB, a lot of times, more times than not, that guy played catcher. You think about Mike Matheny and Brad Osmus, A.J. Hintz for the, for the Houston Astros, the exceptional job that he's done since he's been there. Uh, Joe Madden played some catcher in his younger years. Uh, Joe Girardi, I mean, I'm, I'm, you think about Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy won three uh, championships with the San Francisco Giants, and he recently retired. Catching is like, like I said, you're kind of an extension of the coach, of the manager. So to me, everything starts with number three, figuring out who replaces Brian McCann. Number two, solidifying the rotation. Off the top, we can say, okay, it's going to be Mike Soroka, Max Freed, and probably uh, Sean, uh, Sean Newcomb. I think Sean Newcomb, he had an, an exceptional year in the bullpen this year. But he has made it known that he wants to rejoin the rotation. He wants to be a starter at heart. He did everything the Braves asked him to do this year, and I think they'll reward him at least giving him the uh, first crack of you know, starting the next year in the rotation. So right there we have Soroka, Freed, and we have Sean Newcomb. So now comes the Dallas Keuchel. Okay, Dallas Keuchel is a free agent. You know, He joined the Braves late. Are they able to work out a deal to get him back where he's comfortable financially, they're comfortable financially, to continue what they started here in Atlanta? Does Dallas come back or does he look for another opportunity elsewhere? Julio Tehran, he has a $12 million team option for next year. And I know Braves fans are already like, no, decline it. We don't want him. We can't trust him. And I, I don't blame you to an extent. There's there's the games where Julio was Julio, he's good Julio, and then there's times where he's bad Julio. Uh, so you don't know what to expect, but I think $12 million is probably too pricey, and I probably expect the Braves to decline that option. So 
Now we're looking at probably two spots or possibly two spots in that rotation that has to be filled. Do you fill it with, with Bryce Wilson? Do you fill it with Kyle Wright? Tookie Toussaint. The Braves have several young studs in the farm system. They have one of the best farm systems in the MLB, if it's not the best overall. But they, I think they have plenty of options, whether they want to attack it with homegrown talent or if they want to attack it with free agency and filling up their rotation. So number two, solidify your rotation. Number one, and to me, last year, this was the number one signing uh, probably in the offseason. Well, I'm not going to go that far, but just for the Braves, number one signing for sure was getting Josh Donaldson. Signing him to a one-year, $23 million deal, I believe, was perfect for both sides. Josh Donaldson was coming off injuries with the Blue Jays and the Indians. He was looking for this one-year prove-it deal to show that he can still play at a high level, which we've seen that he can. And then the Braves are looking at it, okay, it's one year, $23 million on a guy who's a former MVP. Maybe we can get him to come back and play on the MVP level, which he did, as I previously mentioned. I, to me, I think everything really starts with Josh Donaldson. Can you get him to come back? Is he interested in coming back? I believe uh, that he definitely will give the Braves the first opportunity to, to opportunity to resign him. He's from the South. Uh, I believe he enjoyed playing in Atlanta. And you know, I, this is he's thirty three years old. His birthday is actually December eighth, the same as mine. I looked that up this morning. But uh, yeah, Donaldson. It starts with him. Will he look for that last? long-term deal because I believe this is probably his final chance to probably sign a four or five-year deal make the most money he can in his final contract before he ultimately decides to hang him up so Donaldson he could give the Braves a hometown discount save a few million dollars allow them to use it elsewhere to fill out the rest of the roster so everything is is, is kind of a it's a domino effect for Josh Donaldson and with the Atlanta Braves because if you get him to come back he's at third base it's Raleigh and left and then Enciarte in center, and then Acuna in right. But if what if Donaldson doesn't return? Raleigh probably becomes your everyday third baseman. As Acuna in left and Enciarte in center, do you bring back Nick Marquez for right? Like I love Nick Marquez. Nick Marquez, he's one of the uh, ultimate pros. Like he's just so dependable. He may not hit many home runs, but he's going to give you a battle at the plate. He's going to give you great fielding. So uh, there's a lot of moving pieces that start with can you get Josh Donaldson back? for another year you know they call him the bringer of rain uh, to me when they resign when they signed him this year it allowed freddie you're protecting freddie freeman at the plate now because you have donaldson hitting behind him i remember earlier in the season i can't recall exactly who they were playing but they intentionally walked freddie freeman next up josh donaldson hits a home run and you know he was super stoked like you can't you can't pitch around freddie anymore because you have josh next so there's no way uh, around that lineup when you have josh donaldson batting clean up right behind freddie so to me those are the three things for the atlanta braves going into next year how did they address getting to that next level how do they advance to the nlcs the good teams find a way to get better and improve on previous seasons. I think the Atlanta Braves have a lot of questions to answer if they want to get to that next stop. Steps coming up, we're uh, going to dive into some college football. We're going to just discuss a few of the upcoming, upcoming games that are on tap this weekend. I hope you guys stay tuned. We'll be right back here on The Sweet Spot.
Welcome back to The Sweet Spot. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. Thank you for uh, continuing to support here, us here on the Joy FM. We know it's college football season. We're going to look into just a few games that are on tap for this weekend. And I also want to introduce a new segment called Possible, Plausible, and Probable. So when I look at possible, you know, anything is possible. It may not likely happen. It's more than likely not going to happen, but it is at least possible. And when I think about that, I think about Kentucky. Kentucky could beat Georgia this weekend. It's it's possible they could go into Athens and, and still a victory from the Bulldogs. As, you know, Georgia's coming off a tough loss against South Carolina at home, and uh, there's been a lot of documented you know over the week with South Carolina fans, or not fans, but players still in the piece of the head is there at the stadium. But uh, it's possible Kentucky beats Georgia, but... I don't think it's going to happen. I don't believe it's going to happen at all. I believe Georgia's going to come in. They're going to be hungry. They're 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 ready to redeem themselves from that tough loss last week. Uh, South Carolina, like I said, went in there, stole a victory. But if you look at the numbers alone, you would think Georgia won that game. Georgia had the ball 13 minutes more than South Carolina did, 36 to 23. They almost had twice as many first downs. 30 to South Carolina 16 they had fewer penalties 6 to 11 they had about 160 more yards of total offense Georgia was 9 of 18 on third down conversion South Carolina was only 5 of 18 as well so you looking at it statistically you think Georgia win the game but if you tuned in to us on Friday nights Providence Christian, Providence Christian football, Northside Methodist football. The one thing that we usually talk about, especially in, in, in Mike's keys to the game, you know, we're talking about turnovers. We, we always talk about turnovers and how you have to limit the turnovers. You have to take care of the ball, protect the ball. And so this is the part where no matter who you play against, if you turn the ball over, it's a chance you're going to lose that game, regardless of what the rest of the stats look like. Georgia had four turnovers in that one game against South Carolina not not one from turnover not two but three and those were his first interceptions all year and the first one was a pick six to Israel Mukwamu who took it to the house it was just a bad decision by Fromm as he was pressured he got rid of it out of panic and Mukwamu took it to the house the second interception seemed to be more of a uh, just miscommunication between from and the receiver from threw it one way Mukwamu uh, I'm sorry not Mukwamu but the receiver went to it went another way and it was pick number two by Mukwamu the second interception by the South Carolina defender and the third interception came in overtime and I put that solely on the receiver and it hit his hands he should have caught it and guess who ended up with that third interception Israel Mukwamu so he had an, uh, an outstanding career day uh, which led to their victory over the Bulldogs on last Saturday but but I'll tell you uh, even you know even through all the turnovers and, and adversity George still had a chance to win it I mean double overtime you have Rodrigo Blankenship one of the most consistent kickers in college football like this guy is super clutch you know, he ended up having to miss a 42-yard field goal that would have sent it to a third overtime. And, you know, he actually missed two field goals in that game, which also, just like Fromm's first interceptions came in that game, Blankenship's first missed field goals came in that game also. So I believe Georgia will be hungry with Swift and, and all those guys. I think they'll they'll be poised and redeemed to get back to their winning ways and take care of the Wildcats easily. Next up, Plausible. When something is plausible, 
you know, it's reasonable and it's believable that it could happen. And when I think of that, I think of South Carolina could win their second straight game against a top 10 opponent. They have the Gators coming in. That's one. Two is at home. And it's three. It's an 11 o'clock morning game. So I think that all bodes well for South Carolina to maybe win a second straight game against a top 10 opponent. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think Florida will coming off a tough loss in Death Valley against LSU. LSU is looking like one of the best teams in the country, if not the best. I mean, they're on a whole another level. But Florida hung right in there with him. You know, Kyle Trask is, I believe he's a solid quarterback. He makes good throws. He makes smart decisions. And he handled his own in Death Valley on one of the toughest places to play on a Saturday night. So, but with me, I'm personally, I don't, I'm not a fan of the revolving door at quarterback. I like my quarterback to be the quarterback and stay in the entire game. So, but I, I get Emory Jones as a highly recruited QB coming out, and to, especially in today's world where guys can play four games, redshirt and transfer. I understand you want to get these guys playing time before they decide to leave. I mean, even Tua was thinking about leaving after his first year, sitting behind Jalen Hurts. So, uh, but but to me, to me, you keep trash in. It's already a tough environment. It's already a tough place to play. I believe when you take your starting quarterback in and out, it messes the rhythm of the offense up. There's the consistency, the the chemistry, everything that in, that's involved with uh, having a an offense that flows smoothly. I believe you interrupt that 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 timing and just that uh, everything that that goes into successively moving the ball down the field to get in the end zone. Even on Trash final drive, he's moving him down the field. He's moving him down the field. But here comes Emory Jones again, uh, taking snaps and I just I just he. Trashman never publicly state that it bothers him, but as a competitor, I know that's eating him up because I can't imagine like this is a chance for a go ahead or a game time drive, and I'm sitting on the sideline, and I know that's and they they may practice it and they may have done it all year, but still it doesn't make it an easier situation. So, um, but I believe Florida, <laughs> I believe Florida's going to going to win in in South Carolina. I don't believe that the game costs will be able to knock off two teams from the top 10 in consecutive weeks. But who knows? That's just my take. I think Florida is going to get that win. As far as probable, probable goes, it's something that's more than likely going to happen. Most likely this is what this will play out. And I got Auburn beating Arkansas. Uh, I think Arkansas, they're not there yet. Chad Morris is a solid coach. And, you know, he has his son Chandler coming in and maybe he's looking at him to possibly be in the, the, the new face of the, of the program when he enrolls. But, I don't think Arkansas is there yet. They lost to San Jose State earlier in the year. Auburn has one of the best defenses in the country. That front seven is just nasty. It reminds me of the Tuberville days when you've seen just all these blue jerseys swarming to the ball each and every play. Uh, that that front seven is, is ridiculous now. Uh, we, know, we know how good their defense is, but the key – for Auburn is always going to be the offense, as long, especially as long as Gus is there. It's more about the offense. Kevin Steele's holding down the defense. Gus, what are you doing offensively? And, you know, Bo Nix, super talented, but he is a true freshman. There's going to be those growing pains. There's going to be those bumps and bruises along the way as he's learning to play that position uh, on at that level. And with Booby Whitlow being out, just only adds more questions. It adds more questions to the running game. Who's going to step up? How are we going to make the plays? Because Gus's offense revolves around running the ball first, and everything off of that is play action, shots down the field. 
So that's where it's curious to see how that plays out as far as the running game aspect. I think Joey Gatewood will probably get more snaps in this game. Uh, Anthony Swartz only played one snap against Florida. I think he's he'll be a huge factor in, in this game also. I mean, he's one of the fastest guys in the country. So I believe that you'll have to use those guys to try to create more in the offensive spark going into Fayetteville, Arkansas. So I believe Auburn will, Auburn will win. I don't – I don't think they'll lose. I don't believe they'll lose. And uh, I, this is not just saying it because I'm an Auburn grad, nothing like that. I'm just calling it like it is. I, I'll be totally shocked if Auburn went into Arkansas and lost. I mean, if Auburn loses this weekend, Gus's seat will not just be hot. It'll be on fire. So he might as well just probably just stay in Arkansas since that's where his home state is. He may have just not even catch the bus back to Auburn. That would be a total uh, – Total just barn fire back back in Auburn. So uh but that that's pretty much my take on the possible, plausible, probable takes on college football this weekend. You know, you guys stay tuned when we return. We're gonna close the show and I'm just gonna share some of my closing comments. So you guys stay tuned here on the sweet spot. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot. This is your host, Corey Bradley, and I'm going to leave you with a segment called Triple C. That's why I want to close every show with Triple C. It stands for Corey's Closing Comments. And just maybe some words of encouragement, words of inspiration, something that just speaks to you, something maybe that you know, God has spoken to me or uh, that he's brought to my attention. And you know, if something reaches me, possibly it reaches you as well. And so today I just want to share with you, when you settle for less, you create a mess. When you settle for less, you create a mess. And, and that could be in a job, that could be in a relationship or a friendship, or you know, no matter what the circumstance is, uh, if you're in a position where you know you're, 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 you deserve better, like this isn't a good environment for you, this is not a good situation for me, uh, get out of it. You know, like, because the longer you stay in it, the more damage you're going to do to yourself emotionally and spiritually. And we all know it's healing from emotional and spiritual uh, situations can take some time and it can be frustrating at times as well. So just guys, first of all, always pray about it. You voice your concerns, voice your thoughts, how are you feeling to God. He wants to hear our voice. Uh, his word says, cast your cares upon him uh, for he cares for you. God wants to, he wants to hear your voice when you're down and when you're up. He just wants you that, that open communication at all times at any time of the day so just always remember pray first and when you pray you have to have faith and patience you have to be patient for God to show you what that next step is what that next move is but also in the midst of patience it requires faith you have to you have to have faith going through life I mean we're we're not perfect we're human beings and so just always remember faith and patience whenever you go through whatever you go through so I want to close with you just Psalms 119, 103 It's from the New Living Translation It says how sweet your words taste to me They are sweeter than honey And just always remember that God's love for you Is, is greater than you can ever imagine His words are sweet And He always cares for you Stay in the sweet spot For the Joy FM Sports Facebook page This has been a presentation of the Joy FM Sports It's more than a game